0: Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where He's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence a narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Today, I get to interview the woman I call the spiritual mother of Hollywood. Karen Cavell is a producer in television and film, as well as the founder of the Hollywood Prayer Network. This ministry has outlasted almost every other entertainment-centered ministry in Los Angeles. Through her ministry, the major studios have had monthly believers gathering for prayer for over a decade, as well as thousands of entertainment professionals being offered a personal intercessor to help pray them through their life as they navigate their careers. I'm going to explore how Karen and her award-winning movie-scoring husband, Jim, and their family have been able to not only survive Los Angeles, but thrive. I also get to go after what kinds of breakthroughs and breakdowns have happened in their journey. Join me, Sean Bowles, today on Exploring the Industry. I'm so excited about the show today because we have a woman who's like a spiritual mother to me and many in Hollywood. Her and her husband have been here for a long time. Her name is Karen Cavell, and we're so glad to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Sean. It's great to be
0: here. Oh, I just, I'm just, i so glad you're here because I feel like this conversation is important because of who you are, what you represent. You've been kind of the longest, most long-term person in ministry and also doing industry stuff at the same time that I've known here in Los Angeles. Like you've been through so many different iterations of Christians trying to impact Hollywood and the wannabes and the gonabes and the have-beens and the has-beens, all those kinds of things. But you've just stayed Right in the middle of it, like right in the middle of the real stuff, and you've helped create connection, conversation, and you've landed a lot of spiritual purpose here, both in mainstream but also in faith-based stuff, which has been profound. So I'm, I'm truly honored. Like I, every time I think of you, I just I just in my heart smile, just for thank you God for Karen.
1: Well, I thank yeah. God when you came, so I'm very excited to be here, and I know you yeah. are making a huge difference every day, and that's exciting.
0: Well, it's fun. We have a lot of mutual friends too. I've, I laugh because almost every time. Both of us talk to each other oh. about this. Like so, someone will say, do you know Karen Gavell?" Do
1: you know Sean <laughs> I'm I like, we have the
0: most cheerleaders for each other. It's I great. I know it. Or my favorite thing is you have got to meet Sean. <laughs> I'm like, but I've done far less than you. You've been rallying people. And I mean, for years to pray at the major studios, mm-hmm. you guys have done prayer, like kind of silent prayer walks. Mm-hmm. You've helped connect industry people to an intercessor. You've helped host all kinds of events like the National Day of Prayer, but many other events at studios and just times of gathering for all kinds of different purposes to connect believers. You've helped promote some things, I think, across the main, mainline uh, evangelicalism all the way to the Charismatic Pentecostal Church and bring them together to bring unity in a way that just not many people have had. Cause a lot of people who do that have a measure of ego or they have something that they want out of it. And you truly, that's why I call you a mother. You truly just want the family to gather. You just want people to connect for the right reason. You, you create an atmosphere where there's no selfish ambition and there's no, there's no networking. There's no ego. It's just like, let's get together for the right purpose. And so thank you for all these years. Seriously.
2: Oh,
1: thank you for saying that. I just think I just yeah. have to keep showing up.
0: <laughs> you do
2: that. Wow. Well, thank you.
0: I think of some of the eclectic times we've been together, at, like for random things, like where we'll just show up and all of a sudden we're like, oh, you're here. I know.
2: It's always fun,
0: isn't it? <laughs> I should just text you every time I'm going anywhere. We should. Are say, you coming? <laughs> <laughs> I just assume you'll be there, which is great. Well, let's talk about you and your history here because you you um, obviously have had your own production credits and you guys own a production house or mm-hmm. studio. Mm-hmm. And then your your husband's a prolific music producer for the entertainment industry and beyond. But uh, you've been doing this for a long time as far as production. And so how did you get started in that?
1: Well, I had no interest in anything but being in the entertainment industry as a producer. I grew up in Chicago. I came to USC to go to college. Oh, wow. And in fact, the funny thing is I started as a... As an acting major, I came in and got accepted as an acting major. That doesn't surprise me at all. Because my oldest sister was an actress, and I adore her, and I wanted to be like her. And then I got to college, and I found out the freshmen weren't allowed to act in any of the performance (laughs) pieces. They had to just work. And I thought, well... I'm here to do that. What is that about? So I started a company for the freshmen to be able to act on campus.
2: Oh, cool.
1: And I never got on stage ever in my life. Of course you
0: started something (laughs) for everybody to shine. I love (laughs) it. That's your nature. Oh, it was so much
1: fun. So I started this company. I encouraged people to act. I started putting projects together. And then my junior year, the dean of the department said to me, so what are you going to do when you graduate? And I said, oh, I don't know. I said, I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm not great at any one thing. And he said, my dear, that's the definition of a producer. <laughs> <That's what
0: I'm laughs> I'm like, oh, Many producers have producer. begged to differ with that. But that yes. Well, yes.
1: But <laughs> okay. So I created a producing major at USC. I got, wow. I got the degree. I got out of school and started putting plays together. I love theater. Yeah. And then I realized Los Angeles is not the city to make money in theater. So I switched to- Not yet. So I switched to film and television. And then my freshman year of college, I became a Christian. I was assigned a roommate my freshman year in the dorm. And she was this amazing person who had love and peace and joy. And she came from a horrible family, just sad story after sad story. And I came from a great family. And yet I didn't have that- centered peace that she had. So I was intrigued my oh, wow. whole freshman year to figure out what is it that she's got. And she always had conversations with me and then when I came home after a conversation she she would happen to have a bible open to something that we had been talking about and I always thought, <laughs> wow, what a coincidence.
2: Look <laughs> at that. Great.
1: And
0: sneaky Christianity. So
1: yeah, she was so great. And 3 weeks before my freshman year of college ended, I was walking through campus and I said, God, I want what Debbie has. Wow. And I said I know what she told me. I want to do it, but there are three things I don't want. I said I don't want to be a missionary. <laughs> I don't want to tell anybody about you. And I don't want to go to Africa. Other than that, you have all.
0: Amazing.
1: And I know right where I was, standing on the grass in campus, and I said, "So, take take me and do what you want. And then I kind of waited to see if there was lightning or something yeah. and nothing happened. So I went to class and then I came home and I walked in my dorm room. And the first thing I walked in, she looked at me and she said, something's different about you. Oh,
2: wow. What's going
1: on? And I thought, nothing. So then that night we were doing homework and she stopped in the middle of homework and she said, something is different. What is going on? And I literally thought, is it showing what's happening? But I said to God, I wouldn't tell anybody. So the next morning I got up and I got dressed and I was ready to go out in the dorm room for class. And she stood in front of the door and she said, did you become a Christian? And I I get get choked up when I tell the story. I
2: said, how did
1: you know? And she said, God changed you and you're different. That's awesome. So we hugged, and she said, I've been praying all year, and you know it was wonderful. Wow. And then I walked out the door, and I remember thinking, okay, God, only Debbie. I am not telling anybody else. <laughs> and I go to class, and I go to finish my three weeks of school, and she and I are all excited, but I didn't tell anybody else. And I went home back to Chicago for the summer, and about a week into my stay at home, this perfect family I thought I had, I sat down with my mom, and she said, I have to tell you, your dad and I are getting a divorce oh. and I lost my breath. And all I knew to say was, you've got to know about Jesus. You have wow. to know about him. You, this can't happen. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, you have to talk to him and he'll change you because that's what he did to me. And she said, well, how do I talk to him? I said, I, just, just tell him what's wrong. And she said, well, would you do it for me? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I prayed for her right there wow. and she became a Christian. Wow. And then she said, you have to tell your grandmother. And so two weeks later, she set up lunch with her mom and she, we sat down at a restaurant and she said, okay, tell her what you told me. And I went, well, I don't know. It's just that you ask him to come into your life and, and you change. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about what I was doing except what Debbie had said, my roommate. My grandma became a
0: Christian. Wow. And you were very unsuccessful about what you told the Lord.
1: I really was, and I hadn't figured that out yet. Yeah. And then through the years, then I get out of college. Oh, I then I go back. Did your
0: parents to stay together?
1: They did. Oh my That's gosh, amazing! They stayed together. They were married over fifty years. Wow! They by the end they were holding hands. I mean, just wow. unbelievable. And my dad became a Christian. Wow! Just incredible. And I have three siblings. They haven't yet, but I'm still praying. Yeah, and. When my dad passed away, I thought, God, you are so perfect. It mm-hmm. was a beautiful, peaceful, joyful, loving time of watching him just pass into, into Jesus' arms. Wow. And then I get back to school. So for my sophomore year. And the first thing I thought was I've got to find the other Christians on campus here. This I don't want to be the only one. I've got to in I was in the theater department. Yeah. Not a lot of Christians in the no, theater department. No, it's very liberal. Yeah. So I found them. I started writing notes to people, did you know I'm a believer and are how can I pray for you and you know then I met Jim, who came, who transferred to USC as a music composition major. Wow. And I was producing a show, Pippin, and I hired him to be my musical director. That's amazing. For the show. I love That's and amazing. he always says, he saved my show. And I always said, I gave you your
2: first job. <laughs> so, That's
1: awesome. So, so we went through college together, we got out, we got into the industry, and we saw how hard it was that it's a really, mm. it's full of competition, it's full of fearful yeah. people a friend of ours said that hollywood is run by the game of tag everybody's motivated by terror arrogance or
2: greed oof wow
1: and that really that really impacted me and i jim and i said we need to pray we we can't just pursue a career without praying so when we first got into the industry in the early 80s we started looking for christians to pray with mm. and we had trouble finding them. Yeah. So we found six others and we started praying every month and the prayer group lasted 33 years.
0: Oh my gosh. And That's amazing.
1: In that time, as we were working and getting support and saw people growing. And at one point the group was 150 people. We met at a, at a friend's big home and it's, it ebbed and flowed and it was beautiful. Our dearest friends come out of that group Yeah. And during that time suddenly we realized you know what we're praying for each other but there's a gap between the church and Hollywood. Yeah. And I said I have a foot in each world and neither world understands the other one and I want to figure out how to bridge build a bridge between the two because they're both good people they just don't like each other. Yeah. And so I thought, I can't get the people in Hollywood to like the church because we have boycotted, we pointed fingers, we have written terrible letters, we've turned off our TVs, we've thrown them out, you know. But I've learned if you pray for somebody, you can't hate them.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: I thought, if I can mobilize the church to pray for the people in Hollywood, they can't hate them anymore, and maybe it'll help build that Like, what
0: time frame was that?
1: That was... Oh, it's been 18 years. Okay. So the uh, around, uh, the end of the 90s is when yeah. I started
0: kind of... Because I'm trying to think, like, I, I would say that around that time, because um, it was not only hostile from the church to Hollywood, yeah. but, I mean, if you were in the charismatic church, everyone's prophesying, LA's going to the ocean. If you're in the evangelical mm-hmm. church, they're saying, stay away because you'll get moral corruption. No one really saw this place this, of Los Angeles and Hollywood as a seedbed of revival for the past hundred years. That's it. No one saw it at all. And so you started to change the course of the conversation through prayer because I I honestly look at when we came in, I think 2006, I remember just going, we're reinforcements to people who've been praying for decades and we're reinforcements to, And we are inheriting ground that wasn't here before that's right like we're right. i knew we were in here and now there's you know other people are starting churches and they're oh taking off and goodness. hollywood's popular it, yes, it's but i mean like you were here when you were you literally became a spearhead for god to be able to create connection and context and prayer so thank you But I mean, keep going i want to uh, i just want to stop there and just say we know that that if that hadn't have happened we would have still been stuck in that old conversation of this thing is hard and it's all run by arrogant, but now there's something that's different because we're allowed to be here no. now. Church wide. I mean, we're allowed to be missionaries in the entertainment industry. Thank you.
1: Oh, well, goodness. And you know who I thank. and interestingly enough, and I look back at history, 1980 was a huge change. Yeah. Um, we came in and started meeting other people who were starting to come in, and they started to have this mindset of, I want to come to also make a spiritual difference, not just wow. a career difference. And then I look back and in the, in the fifties, there was a woman named Henrietta Mears.
0: Yes. Oh, Henrietta.
1: And she was such a visionary and she started a, out of Hollywood Press and Bel Air and the, she was working with these two churches. Yeah. She started a prayer group out of her home in the hills to pray for people in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And she had a Bible study every week she met once a week was Christians praying for people in the entertainment industry. The next week was inviting them to come into the Bible study. So So it was an every other week thing and people were becoming Christians. The only thing I learned about that, that was frustrating to me is that Her belief was once you become a Christian, you need to get out of that evil place and you get in the church. So when her ministry ended and people became Christians, I mean, it was amazing. There there wasn't anything still in the industry when she left. And so what we learned from that was, no, this is a marketplace mission field. This is where you need to stay. If we're not here, where's the light in the darkness? And so we realized their prayers helped us start yeah. and then we said, okay, now we're going to take a little different approach and we're going to encourage people to stay in the industry. And I think that was a, that was a big difference. There were other people that started things. A man named David Shaw was an actor in New York city, came to LA early eighties and said he needed to start a, an acting company. Mm-hmm. So he started actors co-op, which has been yeah, going on now forever. Yeah, <clears throat> forever. So we started piecing this. There was a man named Al Kasha who was, a uh, an Academy Award-winning lyricist who was Jewish had a life-changing experience. Wow. Saw Jesus, completely changed, and started a Bible study to reach other Jewish people in the industry. That was
0: that's amazing. That
1: was about nineteen eighty.
0: We need a book from you about this at some oh, point. It's for real. So
1: interesting. But let's go back okay, to your story because
0: and- I love this. I mean, I would love to do like just hours of conversation on let's- that for people who are watching. Because one of the things we're doing the shows we're trying to create that conversation. You've already been creating for a long time of what is God doing in the entertainment industry? What does it look like to be here as a believer, mm-hmm. but in mainstream? Right, you know, there's, in we're,
1: mainstream. We're not that's really talking hearts. about faith-based. We're...
0: we're talking about mainstream, although there's some people who are faith-based who've come on and the And that's
1: show, fine, and it's a know. niche that will always be there, you and know. it's growing, and the lines are blurring. But our heart is to, as C.S. Lewis said, we don't need more Christian writers. We need more writers who are Christians. Absolutely. And that's what I feel about Hollywood. We don't need more Christian films. We need more Christians in yeah. the marketplace, putting our point of view, which always makes a difference.
2: yeah.
1: And <clears throat> some people thought I started the prayer network so I could change Hollywood. I honestly didn't. I started the prayer network to change the church, wow. to, to empower, to mobilize, to challenge Christians, yeah. to say every people group on the globe are God's people. And we need to pray for all of them. I literally know churches that send missionaries to cannibal tribes. They pay for them. They pray for them. They lift them up. And yet someone in their church says, I want to go to Hollywood. And they say, you're going to lose your faith.
0: Yeah. and They load the gun.
1: They do. They load the gun. (laughs)
2: That's so funny. I
1: had a friend who came here to Hollywood. He wanted to be a director. His dad was involved in Christian ministry on the East coast. And he said to his dad, I really feel like God is leading me to come to Hollywood. And his dad said, you're going to come back in a body bag.
2: Oh. I just...
0: Now, and we had talked about this because at one point when I planted the church here that I'm still part of but I'm no longer the pastor of, thank <laughs> God, because that's a lot of work. It's... But uh, <laughs> but we had about 80 pastors kids. Now I know there's over 150 or more pastors and leaders kids from major movements that are now in the entertainment industry. They came out Isn't here... Isn't that wild? And I think that's an answer to your prayer. It
2: is. Because
0: all of a sudden you have this generation invading and going into the very thing that their parents were terrified of and their parents have to love it
1: they have to love it or or they have to to deal with it
2: and
0: they're not going to (laughs) and what
1: they're finding is their kids are doing okay
0: they're doing okay they're actually changing things Mm -hmm. they're actually engaging culture being the light being like they're not the kings of the mountain but they're like a daniel or an esther or a joseph or an influencer and i love that it's kind of changing the thought process between behind like how do we actually influence And you know, in the church, it's who's at the top, and in the world, it's about just how do we love well. That's it. How do we love
1: well? And what we've learned along the way, and that there's my challenge is I want to know the difference between what I believe in cultural Christianity and in biblical Christianity. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the struggle that we have as Christians coming to Hollywood is from cultural Christianity. Yeah. It's out of a fear. It's out of a misunderstanding. It's. It's something that I think is true, honest, alive spiritual battle
2: where the
1: enemy understands the power of this city. He knows that this is Los Angeles, the city of angels. Angels are messengers. Mm. We are sending messages out every second of every day and he doesn't want Christians here. And I wow. I see that battle in churches here, I see it in families here.
2: Yeah.
1: I see people coming here afraid they can't have a family here. How do you raise a child in, in Los Angeles? My sister um, and her husband opened five-star hotels in third-world countries, oh, and wow. she tells me stories of having to buy netting to put over the cribs in, in Indonesia because of flying cockroaches and such. <laughs> and I said to her one time- I've been to those
0: places.
1: <laughs> me too. And I, I, I was on the phone with her one time, and she said, oh, I forgot to get the mosquito netting to, to, you know, to get from the flying cockroaches. And I said, Barb, how do you live in that place? And her response was, how do you live in Hollywood? Wow. So I realize that there are people who are, you just don't
0: get this place. Well, let's go into that because you guys have now raised a family here. Your two sons are amazing. And they
1: love Jesus. They are in the entertainment industry as professionals.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about this because like I'm raising my family here with Sri, and it's one of the best places to raise a family in the world. I think so. you're called so. here. There's so much opportunity, oh. so much fun and so much creativity and so much forward thinking as far as i mean it's very family friendly here it really is people don't realize that but you guys were raising a family here and what was that like like give us some of the highs and the lows as far as like just as a family in the entertainment industry
1: the greatest joy is we prayed together every single day Wow, we prayed for our boys when they were too young and the minute they were ready we got on our knees together prayed every night prayed during the day at meals i think of anything i can't take credit for it i know it's just prayer Is that whatever it is that we needed or wanted to teach them, it was through. Let's just pray about it. We had, but we wanted to make prayer fun for them. So we had, I, I think I had a lot of fun raising them. We would do things like we would say, let's, let's eat somewhere different tonight. Let's eat in the bathtub. Let's eat on the bed. Let's have a picnic on our on our. It's something
0: my wife. It's totally her. She's like, where do you guys want to have a picnic?
1: Yeah, let's build
0: a four hundred blankets. I That's mean, just right. Constantly, it's so
1: fun. One night we said, you know, we always eat on the table. Let's eat under the table. You know, and we and we and then for prayer we would do things with the kids like say okay. We're gonna we're gonna say the Lord's prayer at dinner, and instead of give us today our daily bread, we are gonna fill in what we're having for dinner that night. So we go through the Lord's prayer and give us today our daily spaghetti, and and then we would end the prayer, Amen, and throw up our arms, and
2: that's awesome.
1: Or we'd have the kids pray, or we do prayers where everybody, the four of us, I my two boys. We would each say one word to fill in a whole prayer. <laughs> just Dear God, please help me too. And we would. I love that. And we would
0: just having a four and a six year old. Those are those are helpful. Oh it's
1: fun. <laughs> really fun! Oh my gosh! Our girls
0: love to pray. It's so cute, don't they? Isn't yeah. it
1: great? And it's and not... your
0: kids went to secular or public school. They
1: did. They went to public school. Yeah. One of them in middle school ended up going to a private Christian school yeah. for him. That was great. The other one went through public school all the way through. Yeah, and um, they. They loved it. There wasn't a struggle. There was, I think, I think they had a confidence in their faith so that it didn't matter. It, they didn't feel that struggle. They were very yeah. open about it. A couple of years when my son was younger, they would call him the priest because he was the only one that didn't swear. <laughs> he thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> oh, free, so huh? oh, here comes Cameron. He never swears. Father you know. Cameron. <laughs> Father Cameron. <laughs> we had to honor him. You know. Oh, my gosh. So it was... It was just joyful. We had a great church community. Yeah. We had good friends who were believers. We, I, I think we just said to them, God wants us here, and this is it. Yeah. You know? And
0: accepted the, the invitation. Oh my with gosh.
1: You. And you're right. We there's, This city is full of creativity and full of fun and adventure and loving people. There are so many incredible churches in this city. Yeah,
0: for sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're in touch with so many of them. It's just oh, amazing.
1: Oh, I love it. It's I feel weird. like I know a
0: handful uh, just because I've been you know, traveling so much. But every time I meet a new pastor, I'm like, and I speak at the local churches all the time. Yeah. I'll be at Vintage in May and I'll be at, you know, so many different churches. And I'm like, it's it's like never ending here as far as never how good. Never ending.
2: There's like 4,000
0: churches in our city. Yes. It's crazy.
1: In the last few years, Jim and I have been at 60. We have gone to 60 churches. Oh, wow. To just find out what God's doing and to meet the pastor and to encourage them and to let them know if there are industry professional people there, that they can come to us and we can plug them into community, you know, that type of thing.
0: Okay, let's go here. So these are, I love this because this is just, we're building the positivity, the real story, Mm -hmm. but also what are, what are some areas that you guys found yourself needing breakthrough? And why you've been here? Because there's the hard side too. As far as there's the hard side, you're paying a price to be here as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. So, what are some of the areas as a family or you individually? Like, give us some of those moments where where God showed up the most when you needed the most.
1: I have, I have career breakthrough. I have spiritual breakthrough. I have family breakthrough. There are a lot of them. One of them I remember very clearly. I, I love what I do and believe God has given me gifts to be a producer, and yeah. so I have enjoyed that. I, I love. Creating stories, I love working with other people, and I was on a really great show that I loved. Um, and while I was on it, my kid, my boys were little, and every day because the hours are long for yeah. production, I would call in after my oldest got back from kindergarten and see how he was doing, and you know, ask the babysitter to to let so me brutal, check in. Yes. And, oh. yeah. and one day I was took a break from production, got on the phone. And the babysitter said, Christopher doesn't want to talk to you. And oh. I said, why? And she said, because he told me you love those people more than him because oh. you spend more time with them. Oh. Sean, I couldn't do it. I went in and I quit one of my favorite jobs and wow. said, I'm raising children and I'm not home. I can't I can't yeah. be there for them. I didn't ever think I'd be that kind of person.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I quit. I went home. I said, okay, I'm going to be there for them. And in that time, I couldn't just do that because so much was going on in my head and my brain and my heart. Yeah. That's when I started the Hollywood Prayer Network. Wow. Now, if I hadn't have done that, I would never have started yeah. what is one of my greatest joys now. And what I found as I reworked the schedule and got to spend time with the boys. And then another gift was that Jim is a composer and has a studio right behind our house. Yeah. So he was always there for the boys. Oh, that's so, so good. we now have memories all the time of being with them as they grew up. And then what I realized is that I can produce projects short-term, not be on long-term staff, but I can take projects and do it and say, okay, guys, I'll, I'll come up for air in a few months, you know, and then they're great together. And then I, I go back in. And then Jim is consist was consistent with his writing. And then I realized I can also have time to build this network that I never thought I'd do. I never yeah. imagined being possible. And it's one of my greatest joys. So God knew wow. what he was doing. I had to sacrifice what I thought was a career move and it ended up being something I would never change.
0: In that moment though, I'm sure there was a conflict of interest in your heart in that moment of just <sighs> yes. saying, "I'm," and I think it's important for people to hear those stories too, because I've heard this now from especially many women in the industry in even my wife right now is putting a lot of her personal dreams on hold because she's a yeah. dream mom. She's yeah. just, you know, she's saying, I have to trust. And we. she's an older mom in the sense of like we started in our 30s to have kids. And so she's like, I have to trust that everything that I need to do and want to do, well, there's still time for.
2: That's and it.
0: that this is my priority. And I'm going to find greater joy in just my priority here. But it is, I watch that as a struggle, if it's the stay at home mom or the stay at home dad, either one,
1: either one. And to say, I have to, I have to die to self and I have to know and trust that God's plan is better. And ultimately, honestly, that job is not going to get me into heaven. That job is not going to change the world. He gave me other opportunities that were just as exciting and just as thrilling. And yet I can look back and go, I walked through life with both my boys and I don't regret a thing. Yeah. I don't.
0: Tell me a battle story, like where you actually had like a spiritual battle you were fighting. I've never asked that before on this, but just where all of a sudden, like all hell's breaking out and God comes through.
1: I was assigned a position on this same show that I'm talking about where it was a celebrity profile show, Headliners okay. and Legends with Matt Lauer. Oh, yeah. And I was on the show on the producing team, and we got together. They It was an MSNBC show where there was a team out on the East Coast, and they were opening the first West Coast office. Wow. And I was very excited about it. And I came on board. We had our first meeting, talked about what people were um, assigned to do a profile on and what new ideas we could have to bring in new people. And- You take three months, you focus on a person, you interview people in their lives, you build a one hour story and then it airs and that's, and that's how it works. And then you go on to the next one and you keep doing that. So I was in this room of these new people. The new team was put together. There was this guy next to me I had never met before named Rick. And as we were going through the executive producer said, okay, here's who's been assigned. And he would put people in groups of two and say, you do this person, you do this person. And he turned to me. And he turned to Rick next to me and said, Okay, you two are together, and your first profile is Hugh Hefner.
0: Oh.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I literally looked at him like, You've got to be kidding me. I'm going to spend three months on Playboy magazine, Playboy bunnies, the mansion, his life. (laughs) I was angry at him because of what I really believe the damage that he's done for women in the world Absolutely, we're objectified and, and misogyny and the whole, it was really disturbing to me. And that was, that was almost a crisis moment for me. Like, what do I do? I, I do not. What did you do? Well, I went home, I went to gym and I said, pal, oh, I call it, I'm calling him pal. I, I don't want to do this. This is a great job opportunity and I don't want to do it. And he looked at me and he said, if you don't do it, somebody else will. So why don't you do it and do it differently? And as a Christian, pray about what you want to do and see what God has. You got to wow. believe that he puts you in this place for a reason. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's great. And I kind of got excited and thought, well, I don't know what I can possibly do because it's still the same man with the same story. Yeah. But- Okay, I'm going to really trust you with that because I prayed going into the job. I can't believe it was a mistake, yeah. but I have this Rick guy I'm working with. So the next day I went into the office and I said, Rick, I have to be honest with you. I didn't want to do Hugh Hefner. And he looked at me. He goes, neither did I. Wow. I said, you're kidding. What'd you do? He said, well, I called my pastor. I said,
2: <gasps> Oh, that's awesome.
1: you've got to be kidding me. What did he say? He said, Rick, if you don't do this job, somebody else will, and you need to do it and do it differently. The exact exact same thing. I looked at him and I told him my story and we said, okay, we've got to do this. This is a divine appointment. And we started praying and we prayed together and we thought, what do we do? Lord, what do you have for us? And we both came to the same understanding that we were not just to tell a story about all that Hugh Hefner has accomplished and all that his life is. We were supposed to tell why he became who he is. Wow. Look into his background, look into his childhood, his life with his family, what went on in his life to make him who he was. And by the time it was time for us to interview him, that was our last interview – We had these amazing stories, but we had to get it from him. We wanted him to confirm what other people had said. So I hired, we could bring two people, a cameraman and a sound man. And I hired Christians. The four of us were going to go in there as praying our way in. (laughs) And so I got- Did you go to the mansion itself? We did. We went to the mansion. Yeah. We drove together, the four of us. We prayed on our way up to Lord, just use us and reveal what the story is and let truth come to the surface. And and let's just find out. We come, we drive up to the mansion. It's beautiful gates. There's a boulder right there. The boulder starts talking to us. We talk back. Suddenly the gate opens. We drive up this drive and there are yellow yield signs up saying, beware bunnies at play. Oh, yeah. We- he had a zoo license, this beautiful peacocks yeah. and, and flamingos and all these animals. Beautiful, beautiful. We drove up, and the um, place where we parked is by the library. He had, he averaged about one interview a day. He had oh, so wow. many interviews that this was just designated. For interviews, we walk in, our poor crew, there's no creativity. He had the lighting set, he had where he sat. You just put the camera there, you turn it on. That's That's it. Completely in control, knew exactly what he wanted. He came in with an entourage. There were bunnies and there were PR people and there were um, bodyguards, you know, the whole thing all came in. We met them, they were all lovely. He was in the same smoking jacket he was always in. Yeah. We sat down, and Rick was asking the questions. And the first question he asked was, so Hef, what was your life like growing up? Yeah. And his first answer was, we believed in God, but it wasn't a very loving home. Wow. And he goes on to tell this story about how his parents never told he or his brother that he, they loved them. Oh. He never heard that. And his mother had a phobia of germs and never hugged them or kissed them. Wow. They didn't touch each other. They were very distant they, they kept their own space so that they wouldn't give each other germs. And he said he got one thing from his parents that he loved, he slept with, he walked with, he loved, his bunny blanket. It had little bunny rabbits around wow. the outside of the blanket. And he said that was the thing they gave him that he could love. And he said wow. he always wanted a puppy, but his parents didn't want, his mother didn't want germs. Yeah. And when he was seven years old, he got a tumor in his ear and he had to have surgery. And the doctor told his mother he could lose his hearing. And so he said he remembered his mother on the phone with her best friend. And the friend said to her mother, he might lose his hearing, give half a puppy. And so she broke down, went to the pound, brought him a puppy, put it in the part of the house she never went to. And he loved this puppy. And he said he gave the puppy his greatest gift, this bunny blanket, to lay on. He put it in the bed and the puppy laid on his blanket. But what they didn't know was the puppy was sick. And five days later, it died. And he said he watched his mom take the puppy away. And then in front of him, she burned his bunny blanket. Wow. And he said to us, I guess I'm just a little kid still looking for love.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And he went on in the rest of the interview telling us ways he's been looking for love. He and his friends would get together every Friday night at the mansion and watch old romantic movies because he was looking for a love he couldn't find. He told about his broken relationships. And he told something, which was how we ended the episode. He said, I'm still looking for the love songs where the lyrics are true. Wow. And what he laid out in this interview was that he was a little broken boy who didn't get love yeah when he was an adolescent it turned into a need for sex when he was older it became a business and then it became an empire
2: yeah
1: and it's all based on a broken little boy
0: which is so profound
1: it's so profound his story it changed my life because it made me first of all realize always find out people's stories yeah you never really know who somebody is yeah and second of all we can't get mad at people. We can't judge people until we know, how can we love them? How can we help them to find love? How can we be a part of God's plan to let people find hope and joy in their life? And I still completely disagreed with what he did, but I couldn't couldn't hate him. I prayed for him. I had compassion for him. And at the end of the interview, there was this silence because of the profound things that he was saying. And nobody knew what to say. And then the PR person said, well, that wasn't an interview. That was a therapy session. (laughs) And we all started laughing and it broke the silence. And he came straight up to us and said, that was my
0: favorite interview.
1: I have never been asked questions like that before.
0: What a contrast for Christians in the industry as well. I mean, just as far as I keep hearing people use the word like gatekeeper, it's become a spiritual buzzword in all kinds of church circles. And one of the things, one of our friends was a producer on a on a really bad show, but God told her to do it for a season. And mm-hmm. she was like, why would I be? And he said, because the same thing, somebody's going to do it. That's... And she actually stopped unsimulated sex, which would be real pornography happening yes. on the show. And God said, I told you you're a gatekeeper, but it wasn't just to open the gates of heaven. It's also keep the gates of hell out. That's right. And you kept the gates of hell out of his story where he would have just been a glorified man and brought it into the simple truth of I'm a broken person who people can actually pray for at that point. And we the church found could actually fall that in do love. that. Yes. And I prayed for him forever. As a matter of fact, it was really cool because one of our mutual friends, I'll tell you later who it was, was able to really share and actually prophesied and prayed for him. And was able to really share some profound things with him just one-on-one for about an hour yes. right before he died. And I'm just believing those those moments. You
1: believe that, you know that. And I found people all through time then after that who said they prayed for him. There were friends of his for a while that came to watch the movies with him and prayed for him
2: and they were Christians.
1: And to think... We don't know the whole story yeah. with people. We just have to be faithful. We're and we to keep our love be, on. That's it. And this whole thing about Christians in the industry, I think, is really important. We are salt and we are light. Light brings light into darkness. We yeah. show up. I believe a room is different when a Christian walks yeah. in. But the salt part is what a lot of Christians don't realize. Salt stops things from rotting. And wow. part of our job is not to just bring light, but to stop the the rot that's going on that, that keeps yes. going if we're not there. A friend of mine was on a TV show that Christians literally said, you can't be a Christian and work on that show. And his good day was when he came home and said, I kept two rotten jokes off that
2: show today. Wow.
1: He was salt slowing down. What was happening? Yeah, and his job was to be there and to make a difference in the people's lives who otherwise would have just gone crazy with whatever That's they so were doing.
0: Good. Well, my friend, I have so enjoyed our talk, and I think this is so important. Thank you for bringing just just your heart and your story, because I think it's so profound and it helps people to think differently about this subject. And mm-hmm. thank you for being that constant conversation of keeping a different message on the table when it comes to the entertainment industry. Oh, thank you. Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe, come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so you, that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. So I have a game for you. Okay. And it's called Something Real and Something Fake. And I'm going to give you one fact and one non-fact about things that are kind of involved with your life. And you're going to tell me, What's real and what's not. And there are going to be some general things and then some hopefully more specific. But the first thing, famous facts about Hollywood, the city. Let's see how well you know Hollywood. You prayed there for how many years now?
1: Oh, my gosh. Almost 40 years. (laughs) Yes.
0: So I think you're going to know this. So let's go for it. Okay. In 1923, Harry Chandler, an investor and then owner of the Los Angeles Times, built the famous Hollywood sign to advertise the area Hollywood land. The total expense for this advertisement was 21000 which would have been in the millions now. He was going to make the first ever theme park in the heart of the city, starting by building a roller coaster, but he could not get a permit. That's number one. Number two, over the time, the alphabets of the sign began to deteriorate and fall down. To restore them, a public campaign in form of auction was started in 1978, where celebrities like Hugh Hefner and Gene Autry managed to raise $250,000. Which one was it? The second one. And you know that too. I knew because you did. the have to yes, interview. Yes, you know, he saved the Hollywood side. <laughs> he, he was the main one. Uh
1: huh. He was the main one. See, yeah, I, yeah.
0: I that was yeah. too easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you did the interview. I mean, you would have known anyways, probably. That's great. Okay, well, you guys pray on studios. How many? How many times do you think you pray on each of the major studios as a team?
1: Um. Well, we do. We do twice a month. On for how many years? Oh. And 20 years.
0: That's amazing. 20 years. And so it's not every and studio. And not every studio. Right? No,
1: it's, it's okay. twice a month on a studio.
0: That's amazing. Mostly
1: Warner Brothers, but a lot of them. And Warner
0: are. Brothers has that. That nine lunch, to five, nine to five,
1: nine to five, over a hundred employees come to nine to That's five.
0: A, I've been there, yeah. And, Merlinda Merlin Duval, she's amazing. I'm gonna get her on the show. You should, I'll have to switch it with she's all just the marketing fabulous. that she does. And she always brings me swag bags from DC comic movies. Oh, and I
1: like, know yes. it, yeah.
0: So I wear t shirts and so, uh, no, she's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you pray for studios. Which of these is true about Walt Disney? Where you've prayed on Disney Studios, was Walt the man who created Mickey Mouse? Did he have an intense fear of mice or? was his original character, which wasn't Mickey Mouse, Oswald the Squirrel. It was the second one. No, it was no. Oswald the rabbit. Yes, no, I got you. you got He's me. a rabbit. He was rabbit. terrified of mice.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah, he was terrified of them to the point where if there was a mouse, because a lot of times you know how big sounds is yes. you get
1: mice. Oh, yeah. And if there's right. a mouse, you he would me.
0: leave until they guaranteed t- that, there no that
1: there was no more. No it wasn't there at all. Can you I totally forgot. <laughs> I think it's great. Oh my gosh, good oh. for you. Okay, you got me.
0: So one of the things I love that you guys do is you guys pray for the Academy Awards and you send yes. you know a prayer list out of what to pray for. And I mean, people don't realize just, So, you know, here in Los Angeles, what the Super Bowl is to all the rest of America, the Academy Awards are to us. So we have, I mean, churches have whole nights dedicated to it. We pray, we watch, we, I mean, it's a, you have a, you have a party. I mean, I've had so many Academy Award parties. It's just so different. Like a lot of, I don't know anywhere else in the country they do that, but you actually send out prayer themes and you guys watch it and pray. So here's two facts about the Academy Awards theater, the theater itself. In November 2001, Kodak Theater, with a seating capacity of over 3,000, was opened in the heart of Hollywood. Kodak was hoping to create a selfie central with a step and repeat banners of major movies and wax figures to take your own selfies with, but they couldn't get it off the ground. So that's number one. Number two, this theater is also known now as the Dolby Theater, but the Academy Awards are moving out and being replaced with one of the largest Broadway-type show venues in the world, starting with shows like SpongeBob the Musical. Which one is true?
1: I think the first one is the second one. It's
0: the second one. The Academy Awards is moving. They just announced it last month. They're moving. No, where are they going to?
1: SpongeBob is is coming in. You know why? Because
0: there's (laughs) more money
1: for the theater. Well,
0: Pantages is licensing it. So Ah. they want to create the Broadway of the West Coast, finally. And they're yes. going to have – but it's a 3,000-mile tour. So they're bringing in, like, uh, Hamil- Hamilton yeah. is coming in January for a couple months because it's done so well here. It, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, and, uh, yes. so many different shows are coming in. So they're – So
1: where is the Academy Awards they going They haven't to? announced it. Ah. But it's moving
0: for the first time. So I know. Oh,
1: you are so good to me. Thank you. You're keeping me up. <laughs> now, next time I'll say, well, yeah, the Academy Awards
0: is You know moving. exactly. You're That's like, a, yeah, the Academy Awards won't be there anymore. Course. I'm shocked. I, was, I found that out I today. Too. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Okay, either. you went to film school at USC – But two of the most successful filmmakers did not go to film school. This is what they said. The two most gifted and wildly successful filmmakers in history didn't go to film school and do not recommend going to film school, which we do recommend Mm -hmm. going to film school. Instead, they both advise aspiring filmmakers to shoot their own projects and build their reel until their skills are marketable enough to be hired on uh, directing gigs. If you are not going to listen to these guys, whose advice are you going to take? Okay, who do you think these two are?
1: Well, I know one is Spielberg. Yes. I was gonna say Lucas, but Lucas went to USC. No, nope, so, yeah, Lucas? He, Lucas went to USC. Oh, well, Tarantino.
0: No. Think of uh, blue, tall creatures.
1: No way, James. James Cameron. Cameron.
0: James Cameron. James yeah, Cameron didn't go to he film didn't go school. to film school, and he's like, "How are they giving him?" I think his I new movie costs two hundred and fifty oh, million. Yes, just for one movie.
1: Well, I knew Luke. I knew that um, Spielberg did a couple years at Long Beach. And didn't go to film school and then okay. ended up later. And the whole joke when he and Spielberg, I mean, when he and George Lucas gave money to USC to build this incredible film school, yeah. Spielberg's joke was the only way I get connected to USC is I have to give him money.
0: Because <laughs> you he go. never went there. You go. That's amazing. Well, thank you for playing the game with me. You
1: oh, I tell you, don't sign me up for trivia, clearly.
2: <laughs> it was still a lot of fun though. I love it. <laughs> okay. That's great. There we go.
0: Hey, Exploring the Industry listeners, we have an incredible book that I just released just for you. My new book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers and Declarations is out now. I wrote this book so that you would have a very specific tool to help you use words to define your own history and future with God. Throughout human history, we've seen prayer and the prophetic and decorations shape society, set culture, provide heritage, and bring vision for the future. And when you combine prayers, decorations, and prophecies like you encounter in this book, you become even more intentional about the power of words. Prophecies, prayers, and decorations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. This book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Decorations, will cover topics in finances, resources, family, influence, favor, business, and more. Through this book, I'm inviting you on the journey of learning how to use words to speak in the very fabric of your life, the spiritual realm and the world around you. I pray that you'll find yourself using and reusing this book as you hear God speak to your heart. You can get our book anywhere books are sold, but if you get it at BowlsMinistries.com and you pre-order it or post-order it, you're going to get a very exclusive teaching series. So I want to encourage you to get it there. Welcome back to Exploring the Industry. I'm your host, Sean Bowles, and I have my guest, Karen Cavell, with me, and we've been having an incredible talk. It's great. And I'm so glad we're going to go further, because uh, we talked about why you started and when it started, the Hollywood Prayer Network, but tell us a little bit about what you guys do, because I've kind of hinted at certain things, but kind of give us the broad picture.
1: Well, as a Hollywood Prayer Network, I have three goals. I want to first connect and build a bridge between the church and Hollywood. Yes. I want to get Christians praying, not judging, yes. not boycotting, not going against it, but realizing these are God's children as well, and we need to pray. Yeah. I want to build a community of Christians here, networking them so that they get stronger in numbers, they get yeah. more confident in their faith, they have people to pray with, to laugh with, to cry with, to hold each other accountable. Community I think is really important. And I want to reach out with the love of Jesus to people in our industry who don't know him. I to love be it salt and light to love them, to walk by, to serve, to have Christians have a different approach to Hollywood than what the regular person has. Yeah. And come in as servants, come in as loving people and caring about them.
0: Well out of all the organizations that we know, I think you're you're the the safest bet for people who are the everyday person who are watching this to get involved in prayer. And so when when they sign up for, you know, on your website, what happens?
1: You have uh, different choices. One is we send out every two weeks the HPN call sheet. Yeah. And that's just ways. Oh, good. That's just ways of how you can be praying, what's going on currently, and how you can be praying. And that's
0: everything from like if someone dies for their family, pray for their family, Mm -hmm. or if somebody gets exposed for an affair or whatever, you guys just say, let's pray for them, let's love them, let's surround them with. God's love. Exactly. And there could be somebody who's getting a new role, or it could be somebody who's a Christian who's all of a sudden gained some influence, and you're just saying, let's pray for it. So it's really diverse. In
1: it's why very we're diverse. Praying. We even bring in business issues. For instance, the new acquisition, Disney taking Fox. Yeah. To pray. People are losing their jobs.
2: Yeah, a lot of people. A
1: lot of changes, a lot of insecurity. Um, so what we want is to say, these are real people going yeah. through real issues. A lot of them don't know the Lord some do and they need encouragement let's pray for these people because I believe it's the world's most influential mission field and yeah. what comes out of Hollywood affects people groups all over the globe and so we should be praying for these people
2: yeah
1: we also need to say that first of all it's okay for a Christian to be here but second of all they need community while they're here yeah so I I encourage people I have on I have resources on my website churches a list of churches mm-hmm. over a hundred churches that people can say, get plugged into a church, look for the one in your neighborhood, one that's you feel more comfortable with, your denomination.
0: Yeah. Um, I think there are churches that have an understanding for people in the entertainment yes. industry. Which I, I call love. them
1: media-friendly churches. Yes. Yes. Because it's
0: different. If you go They're, to a church and the pastor doesn't really understand your career, mm-hmm. they might try and give you advice or shepherd you in a way that actually violates your personal freedom or choices or what you feel God's doing. And so I love a lot of the churches you'll have on there are people who – they're not going to try and control you or your career. They're trying to love you and, and understand. Support and you support in your you. journey. Yeah. And that's really helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really is. And then we have a list of entertainment ministries, which is yeah. another miracle that's happened in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Is that Christians who are professionals start a ministry as well because they have, they're living more holistically where yeah. they want to encourage spiritual growth along with professional growth. So we have a list of ministries now. For training, for networking, yeah. for Bible study, And all of
0: these are ministries that minister to the mainstream entertainment yes. industry, which I think is really important because the faith-based side has a lot of networking connection mm-hmm. already. But one of the things I love that you do is that you're looking at like, wait, you're on the studio. Here's the people that are there that are Christians, or wait, you want to go in this genre of production. There's other producers, you know, that's really huge.
1: It really is. And it makes yeah. a difference for people who feel they're called to Hollywood to work in the secular entertainment industry, and then- they think, but did I make a mistake? Yeah. And when they see other people and go, no, this is this is for us. This is why we're here and we're going to do it together. Yeah. It's, a, it's a huge difference.
0: It's interesting because the first time I went to a studio when I came to Los Angeles was Disney Studios. And they were having a prayer meeting at the time. It's all transitioned now. But when they were having a prayer meeting at the time, it was brand new to them. The faith-based group, I think it was the Bible Club, had switched a couple times. Mm-hmm. And so they'd asked me to come pray. One of the guys was really hungry for just to see what God could do in the studio. Mm-hmm. And so I went and... Everybody there was very conservative. And I said, you guys, uh, and they, they admitted it was boring. Like it's a very boring movie <laughs> at the time. So I said, what was God's original plan or dream for Disney? Like, what do you think he thought of when he put this in Disney's heart? And because of course it's delineated from all kinds of stuff, but, but what was the original plan of God? And they're like, I don't know. And I said, well, what are some things that this fan, this, this company's done well And they all start to say, I said, everyone say something. Yeah. So they said, of course, family values, identity to children, um, fun, creativity, those kinds of things. Like they've been a leader in all these areas. And I said, so do you think, as a Christian who's here, that you're assigned to be here to help that emerge more? Or do you think that you're just working a job? Everybody agreed, I'm in an assignment from God. Even the little Episcopalian, you know, like the little. That's
2: right. And they
0: just were like, I'm in an assignment. So. How do you pray? Because you you have even if you're the lowest paid worker, if you're a Christian,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have authority.
1: I think sometimes you even have more influence as the lowest paid because yeah. you have more access to people. Where sometimes yeah. when you're at the top, you're more isolated. Yeah. So every level you you have an assignment, you have influence, yeah. you're a witness, you've got to be aware of that. But
0: teaching people, and you've done this well, teaching people to see what God is doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I saw in the studios. Like I was on the journey with them for I think over two years, off and on in different ways. As a matter of fact, we did um you came because we had Ken Wales. And myself, and you were there, and we did like a prayer breakfast or something. Yes,
1: it was. Uh-huh. And
0: uh, that was before Ken. I love Ken. Oh, I oh, love oh. Ken. Chariots of Fire. I was yeah. just, he's, he's a hero. But um, we had him because we wanted to ask him very specifically, how did God do what he did through you? And I don't know if you remember, but he actually shared his legacy with Walt Disney yes. and how Walt had brought him into the industry and was a Christian. And he had his prayer journals mm-hmm. and the things that God had told Walt. And I'm like, wait, Ken Wells who's a Baptist. He was yes. telling us that God spoke to Walt Disney. And we're just sitting here going, you know, I remember it's like, Revival in my heart, but it started with a little group of people who were like a lawyer and someone in accounting and someone mm-hmm. who were just saying, "We can dream dreams with God over Disney. We are here for a purpose. We, our families who are Christians, think we're crazy for even to stay here. We can get a normal job, but we know we're supposed to be here. But we don't have language. So what I love is that we. I think you know that was however many years ago, thirteen years ago, or whatever. I think now. Um, You know, we're getting more language for what God wants to do. And there's because of that, there's more unity around it. Because I think back in the day, when you're doing the 80s, a lot of people would do a group for their church (sighs) and then they would fight against other groups or they just didn't have language or they didn't have unity or that. And and you've helped to bridge something where prayer is the common goal and just the theme of loving is a common goal. And I love that so much.
1: It's so important. We also started years ago to have the ministry leaders meet for a lunch quarterly to say, "Nice, let's find out what each other's doing. Let's compare our calendars. Let's pray for each other and let's work in unity because you're all part of a body. And what God has done, which is extraordinary, is that in looking at all the ministries going on now, they don't conflict with each other.
0: Yeah, they're so diverse.
1: They're so diverse and they fill a bigger picture and you see, See that anybody here can find something that's right for them. And I just think that's that's yeah. because of of God bringing the body together and them willing to work in unity Yeah, and seeing that prayer is the foundation for all of it.
0: Well, and the the kingdom mentality or God's mentality is there's always enough room for you. Yes. It's family. You it know, there's is. always enough room for another baby. Oh
1: my gosh. But the
0: secular mentality is you're taking space that's mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid if you emerge, that mine's going to gonna go away. Yes. Or my authority will go away. So mm-hmm. I love that there's... I think I think there was a generation of people that you helped also just pull out of that mentality into the kingdom. What this is family. Like we are family. We we're all each other has here. That's <laughs> you know. It, yes. we, we have to. I think there's other cities like if you go to the Midwest or if you go to the Bible Belt areas. They compete a lot because they there's all so know each many. Other and, and there's they're... so many of us. There's like in Nashville, there's a church on every single there's four oh, thousand there churches in Nashville and it's small.
1: Oh, that's insane. We
0: have four thousand churches, churches here. In our so when I meet city, pastors, yes. I've met pastors who don't like, you know, kind of the Bethlehem kind of thing that I represent, <laughs> but they're just so happy I exist. They're like, I'm so happy you're here. It's you
2: so know? great. You're filling your need. You, know, you believe so in different. God? Oh my totally. God. God. Well, but, one of
1: the main things in ministry here is to just focus on Jesus. Yeah. Not focus on denomination. Yeah. Yes. Not focus on background, just say, we are all we all need each other. And we love and Jesus. And we all love Jesus. Yeah. And that's it. And we don't care about anything else because yeah. it doesn't matter. All it does is divide. And we cannot be effective without unity.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's another thing is I think um, you've helped us to hold a line of not focusing on cults or what God's not doing or all these other crazy things. Because there was people in the 80s, I mean, you would hear conspiracy oh, yes. from the Christian groups. Oh, all the, the time. The Illuminati yeah. or the Scientology or whatever. They would just mm-hmm. wanted to get stuck on the enemies of the camp type thing. Versus like that, you can't build off of that. You can't. You can only build on what God's doing.
1: You can, Absolutely. And the, how I learned that was years ago, somebody told me that when they train people in the U.S. Treasury to find out how to catch counterfeit bills... They do not train these people to focus on all the ways people make counterfeits. Wow. They train I've these people this, yeah. on the absolute truth of what a real bill is. And they know that so well. They know a dollar bill. They know how it's made. They know how it feels. They know what yeah. it looks like. And so anything other than that, they know is not yeah. is counterfeit. Yeah. So I think we've got to do that as Christians. We've got to focus on what is true, what is beautiful, what is right, what is God's word. What Do we know that well enough yeah. so that anything else you don't worry about, you know, it's not it, but we can focus on the real truth.
0: So in that, um, you're, you're imparting or giving people opportunity to pray in a real way and you're helping to bring focus. And sometimes I'll see someone who comes across the list and it's in the way you even position. It's like, it's someone who's controversial, even to the church, Mm -hmm. somebody who said they're a Christian, but is making really bad decisions or whatever. And a lot of times the church just and their heart kills them. Like, oh, they don't oh, belong they, anymore.
1: They write them and off. As, yeah. I
0: love that you put them back in the call sheet, and you're like, let's pray without even addressing controversy. You're just like, let's pray for them because they're going through a hard time in this. Yes. And I remember Shree at one point. There's this one specific person in Hollywood, and kind of a family. And and I've, every time I and I don't talk bad about people. Like I just it's <laughs> I don't not either. my thing.
2: It's not my but thing. But
0: every time I think of them, they agitated me, and just their their pretend values of Christianity. Oh, you know. And I just had this judgment, and I didn't realize I had it. And then Shree. It was third year of our marriage. She goes, what are you doing right now? Like, why are you being a jerk? And we were just talking to each other, and right. a commercial would come on for the a show. Yep. And I was like, ugh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, these are the kinds of people that God's called you to. Why would yeah. you Why would you speak against them? And they, they, the concept is you'll never have authority in prayer if you don't love them it's in true. your heart. It's true. And so what I love about what I've seen on the prayer list and the prayer sheets and just the way you know going to the studios is that, you're building your the culture of how you're saying it is we have to go in the atmosphere of love respect and honor like the way you went with you in the earlier story yeah. like you actually went in with love and honor and you got a real story because of it
2: mm-hmm. you
0: actually helped america see a different story of him that caused compassion in the church to pray for him so talk about that a little bit where did that come from and was that just organic to you your christianity when you got saved or is there Like, was that, did you start reacting to what wasn't happening? Like, where did that come from?
1: I found that when I was trying to figure out why there was a gap between the church and Hollywood, I realized it was because of that thing. There was negativity. There was judgment. There was fear. Yeah. They were all negative emotions and that people didn't even realize that I believe the church caused the division because of our attitude.
0: It's like an us and them. It's an us
1: and them. Yeah. And I thought, that's not God. God loves us everybody he created, and it's not up to me to judge them. And I see the result of judging, and it was not pretty. Yeah. And so I thought, I know my job is to love people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to work on whatever needs yeah. to be changed. So I'm not going to put myself in a place of thinking, I know how to change that person. I want to put myself in a place of saying, I want to love those people, and I believe that loving them frees them up to have God come in and make a difference. Wow. We invite God in. And we invite him in with love and with an understanding. It's not up to us. And then he does extraordinary things. Yeah. And I thought to build that bridge, I, the only way I can do it is to show the church that these are God's creations. Yeah. And then to show the people in Hollywood, I'm not judging you. I no. am loving you. I am walking alongside you. We all need something. I'm just as broken as you are. And I want to walk the journey with you. And so yeah. bringing that together. And then I also saw that the Christians that came out here, a lot of them were beat up before they even got here because they were told they shouldn't be here. Yes,
2: And so, so I needed true. to
1: just love them. And I needed to say, no, I'm here for you. We're here. There's a community here for you who's going to encourage you and build you up and love you. So anybody, whether it's the church people, whether it's the industry people who don't know the Lord, or whether it's the industry people who do know Jesus, the bottom line is they all just need love.
0: Yeah. What's well, interesting, I was going through um, a funny time of kind of, I, I guess I would call it detoxing some of the judgment I didn't even know I had. Mm. And I'm not a very judgmental person, so if I yeah, have it. you're not. A lot of people have it. And so I ended up meeting with a pop star at the time who I had some judgment against. I was like, mm. there's something, this I couldn't put words to it, and I, mm. he asked for a meeting, so I went out with him very in touch. He's like, he wasn't sure he wanted to follow Jesus, but he wanted spirituality. He wanted something. So we talked for a while and he said, you know, a lot of Christians hold me responsible because their kids have fallen away, so to speak of their religious experience. And, and then the parents see that I'm, I've, and media, mass media, that, you know, especially tabloids, people have followed my story, and I've had some failures. So then the parents go, well, he's the one responsible for my failure.
1: Right, and it's easier to blame somebody and, else yeah, than to take it I've on personally. I've become
0: the demon of the church yeah. for a lot of parents. And, I, and when he said it, I knew that. But when, it, when the pop idol, who's not a Christian, who's meeting with me because he's hungry, yes. is saying one of my hard things is if I come to Jesus, I don't think the church would ever accept me. Is that a hard thing? And I looked brain? at him, and I was like— he goes, I really do want to live a different life. And I I, I literally was trying not to cry. I you just do, thought, and
1: you just want to hug him. You,
0: and I did hug him. I was like, yeah. you're okay. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. You're worthy.
0: And I just thought of Jesus with Zacchaeus, like the tax collector where the friends of Jesus were saying, yes. no, you don't want to go to his no house. Way. Don't go to his house. Like that guy's a dirtbag." Mm-hmm. And Jesus like, that's exactly that's where I want I'm going to go going. to the house. And I feel like that's the part of the conversation that if we don't pray, mm-hmm. then we won't love. Mm-hmm. If we don't love, we don't. We don't see our assignment. We don't see whose house we're supposed to, because they're not gonna come to our house. That's right. That's we're called right. to say, I'm gonna spend I'm time gonna with come you to even though your there. house.
1: Yes.
0: And I love that that's part of what happens in this industry. Because I felt like God showed me, and I know I've shared this with you before that in the next great whatever outpouring of God, where I mean we had the Jesus people moment, where 18 million people or whatever get saved. I mm-hmm. think it's even more than that. I think there's another time of that where a lot of people at the same time get saved. I do. And during that time, I think the entertainment industry is going to be the forerunner device of it. Just like the Renaissance period, the arts were.
1: Yes, the arts are so powerful. I realized something once when I looked through in history and saw when a fascist, a communist, a dictator comes into a country. Yeah. The first two things they always get rid of are art and religion. Wow. Because they're intangibles. And if someone is is motivated by art or religion, a leader can't control them.
0: That's so true. So they
1: get rid of those. And I think the power of both. And here I am. I've been given the gift to be able to minister in a place where I have the love of God with the spiritual power, and I get to be in an environment with the artistic power. Yeah. And to go, that's that's exciting to me. Yeah. And people are attracted to this industry because of the fact that there's such a way to communicate through art that you can't any other way. Yeah. That I know that's right where God wants us.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, have you had to, I'm, I'm going to go a different direction because I love that, what you just said. And I'm starting to think of, because I know you as Karen Cavell, the spiritual mom, but I haven't actually been involved or seen your production career. I just know you're a producer and it's amazing. Have you had a sacrifice at times, like kind of the dream of the industry stuff for the ministry side? Has God actually been like, come this direction? Or or do you feel like they've worked hand in hand the whole time?
1: No, I've I've felt like I was on a trajectory in the beginning. I wanted to run a studio
2: yeah, and
1: I was ambitious and I got married later too in my third, uh, yeah. well, I got married at 25. I had my kids a lot later, yeah. but I was very, excited and ambitious and driven. And as my faith grew, and as I saw the need spiritually in the industry, and as I had a family where I wanted to spend time with them, I not only quit a job to be with my kids, but I realized I, at this point even, I have a ministry and I have a career. And I have to sacrifice to be able to do both. And I think God wants me to do both. And yet in order to really get to where I want to go in my career, I would have had to give up everything else to do that. And now yeah. I've learned it's not worth it. Yeah. But along the way, I've had moments of thinking, oh, I'm not getting what I want, unmet expectations. Yeah. But I think everybody goes through unmet expectations where you get to For the point sure. in your life and you say, you know, I'm not where I really wanted to be. Yeah. And then I look and I say, but am I where God wants me to be? And I think that's that daily dying to self to yeah. realize I'm honestly getting more joy out of doing ministry and doing my career than yeah. I would have just doing my career, and yet I feel like I had to sacrifice things along the way. Yeah, to not do that. So, no, and I
0: asked that specific because I think like you know you're you're a mature, seasoned person in it. And when I first met Pat and Shirley Boone, who were, were here on the show, or Pat was Shirley's passed away now, and we love her. Oh, I know. Um, but she called me and said you have to come to my house. And then Pat was like, "I'm staying. I have meetings. You have to come." And they prayed for me, and Pat said. I feel like you're going to carry something in the industry like I do. Mm. But I feel like if you want a God result, you're going to have to have his process. And I had come in thinking I was going to do more entertainment. stuff than God said, start a church because I'm homeless in Hollywood. <laughs> Not right. that other people hadn't started churches, but there wasn't enough. Mm-hmm, there know, weren't, by yeah. far there wasn't enough. I mean, the Barna group told us like there, you guys in the entertainment industry or in just Hollywood itself, there needs to be about 400 more churches that start this year to meet even the basic needs. Wow. Need. And I was like, wow, that's just in the city of Hollywood mm-hmm. at the time, you know? And and so I was just like, wow, God, this is so hard. I don't want to do this. Uh-huh. Like, I, but I surrender. And I just, when Pat had said that, like if you, he said in my career, I've had to not just say no to good opportunities for the sake of, you know, God, right. but I've actually had to change the trajectory where I even did some things like on TBN or on faith-based stuff that I would that's have never it. said Me yes too, to.
1: That I would never said yes to. Yet.
0: But I knew that I wanted God's mm-hmm. result. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people who are in the entertainment industry right now who are Christians are worried about sacrificing for the God side of things Mm -hmm. because they think it will cross them into mixture right? or the reputation. Or
1: they'll get a reputation that they don't want or they'll get labeled something they don't want. And I think what I had to catch myself with, and I still will my whole life is to not ever let myself make a decision out of fear.
0: That's so good.
1: Because the fear of what I think might happen or the fear of who I think I am or who I think, people want me to be, or God wants me to be, is never the right thing. Yeah. If I, And that's why I am so hooked on prayer because I have to know, God, what do you want? Yeah. And let me let go of what I think is best or what how I view it in my limited sense. I think we live in four dimensions. God's like in 11 dimensions. Yeah. I mean, he totally. he's so far beyond anything. Who do I think I am yeah. to think I know? And so that humbling and that prayer and saying, nope, I'm going to follow your way. And then ultimately, you know this there's such amazing joy.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't like give it. that up. There's for nothing like
1: Anything, it. anything in the whole world.
0: I mean, because you have spiritual fruit. That's
1: it. That
0: you couldn't have led yourself to. Oh
1: my goodness. That's the best part. And it. I don't have a. I don't have an Academy Award. You know. <laughs> well, I have to live with that. I guess. <laughs> I,
0: I like your reward in heaven, though. Don't you heaven think heaven that's like, a yeah, better investment? So I think <laughs> you, you're going to say, "I thank you, Jesus," from a stage here, but you're <laughs> going to be saying it from there with, "Oh, oh it's, it's the crown." Yeah. But so, so talk about a little bit about your career because you did make some, even um, I would call them faith-based these documentaries that were for the church to understand their relationship to Hollywood, which was great. You kind of imparted the idea of missionaries to Hollywood.
1: Yes. And the opportunity I got with those, which again, I wouldn't have chosen if I had yeah. had my way, but because my friendships grew with so many Christians in the industry that we started working with each other. Yeah. And for instance, one special I just loved was um, Changed Lives, Miracles of the Passion. It was people who watched The Passion of the Christ and what it did That's impact awesome. I've never
0: their lives. Saw, I need to see Oh,
1: this. an amazing yeah. one-hour documentary. So we followed six people who watched the movie, yeah. and something changed in their life just because of watching this movie. Wow. Wow it was based on watching The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. It was something that could have been labeled a Christian thing. But I thought, you know what? There's power in these stories. Yeah. And I've always loved true stories. I came out of specials and documentaries and I yeah. love true I think I true stories are so beyond phenomenal. anything you can make up. You know, yeah. And one of the stories that actually didn't even get on the show, but had a great impact on me, was a man who two years before The Passion of the Christ came out, murdered his girlfriend, Oof. made it look like a suicide, And he was so effective at it. They never even questioned him. It was a a cut and dry case. This was a suicide. They closed the reports. It was over. But he had to live with himself for two years and it started eating him away. And he knew what he did and he couldn't, he couldn't live with it. And so when the passion (laughs) of the Christ came out, he went to the movie on his own. He just walked in and watched the movie and was so profoundly moved by it that he walked out of the theater and went straight to a police department and turned himself in. Wow. And we found his story. We reached out to him right when he had gotten into jail. And he wanted to tell the story. He was was passionate about, this is what I've realized. But an attorney came in and shut down the case because he was trying to get him off. And we we lost the story. But that alone reminded me that... I I can be part of a bridge telling these amazing stories, put it on television and let people just see it. Yeah, Ingmar Bergman said, the great German director, yeah. that facts go straight to the head, but stories go straight to the heart. So true. And so in my career, that's what I've been driven to do. Yeah. I'm packaging a film right now. It's based on a true story. It's just something that people can look at this story and it's not Christian,
2: Yeah,
1: but people can look at this story and you start looking into yourself and you start asking yourself questions. And I think film is a better medium to ask questions than it is to give answers. Totally. And so my, my love is to tell stories, let people come out, talk about it, ask questions about it, and then see how God can come in and do a difference.
0: What's your favorite, um, some of your favorite projects in the mainstream you've worked on?
1: Oh well, I love the headliners and legends with Matt. yes that's, that's
0: really exciting. I remember that show. Oh, yeah,
1: that was amazing. I loved one. Um, it was based on um, Boys Town in Omaha, oh, okay. Nebraska, yeah. and it was uh, Danny Glover was the host, I love and him. we followed the lives of. This whole group of seniors in high school who had been in these group homes that the Catholic Church offered as Boys Town, where they had a choice at one point as juvenile delinquents to either go to a special like jail for kids or to go to these group homes run by the Catholic Church where they had a mother and a father and they had a group of kids. They would put different ages in this home and they had to learn to be a member of a family. Wow. And the first thing they learned was you look people in the eye when you talk to them. I mean, huh. basics. Yeah. And we followed these kids and found that this setup that the church had done for these kids had saved their lives. Wow. They went on, they became successful. They went to college, they had jobs, they had careers, They, they some of them got married, and we just followed their lives. And that was a thrill to me to That's see exciting. the importance of family,
2: Yeah.
1: how the church can come and make a difference. It's not... It's not the government that stepped in, but the government allowed the church yeah. to come in and to nurture these people and change their lives.
0: Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, so we need to see is that, really that again. Normal. That needs to come back out in a new way.
1: Um, yeah, it's. I don't know where it is, yeah. but I know it's somewhere now. I just know
0: that you know statistical research on that subject uh-huh. would prove the show proved it before we had the the statistics for it now i mean people who do foster care and orphan care they see they do that now mm-hmm. like that's a very popular model in missions It's a popular model in United the home, nations yes. as homes mm-hmm. like where there's someone who's the parental figure for real yeah we, which is really powerful we, we thrive
1: more in family yeah than we do on our own and for sure is, yeah
0: well tell me this as far as as we're kind of wrapping up here which i hate to wrap up because i love everything Go you're so saying fast. but uh yeah paint a picture for me as far as what you think God wants to do in the next season and with entertainers, with film and television, with, and we have other people on the show who are talking about video games and, you know, fashion modeling, that kind of thing. But, but you really have stayed focused on this area and you, you have such a good pulse on it, but what, give us a lot of hope.
1: Oh, that's easy. That's easy. I, I, I can do that. I believe God's working in three different ways. One is we've got to have a foundation of prayer. Yeah, Prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater That's work. That's so good. It's such a such a great quote. I also think that we need unity and community and need yeah. to work toward that because we are stronger in numbers. We build our faith when we're around people who are also building mm-hmm. their faith, and we can have an impact. I think we need to be, I believe as Christians, we need to be ahead of the curve. We need to understand VR. We need to understand social media. We need to understand these things, not be afraid of them,
2: Yeah,
1: but- jump in on the forefront of those. There's yeah. a group of people that um, I'm a part of, of VR professionals in the entertainment wow. industry who are believers, That's who awesome. get together and they pray for each other and they talk about where they're going with that, where they can bring each other along in the process wow. and how they can use that. I have a friend, oh, it'd be great for your pa- podcast, D- uh, JD is, he has a VR church.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And he
1: baptizes people in VR. He has service every Sunday. And you know what he says? His two main audiences of people who are members now of his VR church are homebound people and atheists. Wow. Because it's safe for them. Nobody knows they're going to church.
0: Yeah. And And they probably have an avatar they use to go to church. They're all all avatars. Yes,
1: they all create their avatars. So he knows which avatar is there each week.
2: That's amazing.
1: So as Christians, we need to... We need to keep knowing God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but everything else changes. And we have to not be afraid of change. We have to be in front of the change. We have to be embracing the change. Doesn't it
0: feel like we were last in line at first? Oh, my
1: gosh. But now 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 we're starting
0: to jump in.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because these are
0: disruptive in a way. Like VR is something that a Christian can get involved with very easily and inexpensively compared to making a whole film. That's it. Yeah, and so I think like YouTube was like that. All of a sudden you have YouTube, which led to like Netflix, Hulu, these kinds of things. So Christians could jump in and actually do some mainstream projects. Absolutely, for ve- I mean, we—you do it on your iPhone. That's it's it. so different. Now. It's
1: so easy to do that. Yeah. And we have to, we have to not be afraid as a church. I love we that. We have to step out, and we have to know that reaching out to others is more important than staying safe in our bubble. Yeah. And so I love to mobilize people to take chances, to take risks, to not be afraid, yes. and God is doing. Unbelievable things. One quick example. When I came here in the early 80s, we could barely find other Christians. Yeah. They were there, but they were either afraid to say anything or they didn't connect their faith with their work or yeah. a lot of things like that. We now know of over 10,000 Christians in Hollywood. Yes. And those are only the ones we know. I keep meeting more every day. Yeah. And when they meet other people, they get excited.
0: And she knows them all by name, knowing one cares. <laughs> <laughs> so I
2: true. just...
1: I feel so honored report. and privileged and, and you two to be here at this time yeah. where we it's get so to special. see incredible changes. We get to see people breaking through. We get to talk. We're at a time where some of the church says, Oh, this, you know, this accepting everything intolerance. I go, no, that's a gift because now we get a chance to speak up too. Yeah. Because we also live an alternative lifestyle. So we get to talk about our faith and and the Holy Spirit. And so there's so much more to come. And we have to just step forth in confidence and embrace (laughs) what God has for us and do it and see him working.
0: Yes. Well, I want to say this because Karen has just imparted a lot of hope in life for this whole subject. I'm so glad you've been on the show today because there's something about many people who need the courage to say yes to their assignment in God and some of you have been afraid to say yes because it feels isolating or immoral or wrong and you're hearing the other report some of you have already heard this report and you know it and you're just saying yes but some of you this is new for you and it's so good that you're hearing this from somebody who's been here for a long time who has raised a family here whose kids are now in the industry and they're healthy so this is this has just been so special thank you so much for sharing
1: thank you for having me
0: Thanks for listening to Exploring the Industry, our brand new podcast. And it's actually part of the podcast family of the Exploring the Prophetic. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly stories on Wednesdays that are everyday people like you and I who are hearing God and God is changing our options. He's changing our world. He's transforming culture around us because we're saying yes in obedience to God. And then on Fridays, we have Exploring the Industry. So make sure to subscribe and you're going to hear these amazing stories twice a week. And we need these stories right now. I know if if you're like me, you need the encouragement. So come join the conversation. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's going to change the world through the entertainment industry. And we want to invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe. Hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also, visit us at bowlsministries.com, where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.